Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Welcome to the Satanic Christianity series. Doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? Uh, it's a paradox. It's an oxymoron. It's intentional. Because, of course, our Christianity should, should never be satanic. But it happens when you and I stop following a person and we start following principles. When we focus on what we're doing at the expense of why we're doing it or how we're doing it, it happens when we change our behavior, but not our hearts. It's what our flesh craves because it puts us back in the center. And there's a huge danger to legalism. Uh, I'm not worried uh, tonight if anyone's going to, I'm not worried that anyone tonight's going to go in their backyard and put on a dark cloak and do a seance. Like, that's not my concern. I am concerned that you would fall into legalism. And both are equally satanic because they are anti-Christ. They are against Christ. They are against the knowledge of who Christ is. False gospels are rooted in a lie, and anything contra uh, contrary to Christ is the lie. And the best lies have some truth in them, but they're not all truth. Legalism has the appearance of righteousness, but it is a false gospel. I mean, it's, it's good to change your behavior. It's, it's good to be a good person, but it's bad to put yourself at the center of that change. Why are we prone to believing such lies? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of them, Paul fires off and says that because we are immature, because we are spiritual babies and we need to grow up. He says in verse 14, I don't want you to be children anymore, tossed and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Legalism is a deceitful scheme of the enemy because it offers you self-reliance in place of God-reliance, which is the lie from the very beginning. Hey, don't trust God. Trust yourself. You can be like God. And our flesh craves this. That's what we talked about last week, about walking with the Spirit. So Jesus, in the, in the, in the first message, Jesus fires off this warning, and it felt like, whoa, 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 where's this coming from? Like, this is, this is intense. It's his most, he saves his most harsh warning, criticism for the Pharisees, known for their legalism, of course. But he wasn't just kind of flying off the handle, but we learned that he was kind of like a a mother who just found out their child was playing in the street all day. Like, what are you thinking? I love you so much. I don't want you to be hurt. Last week, we learned about the Spirit's role. Not relying on the flesh, but relying on the Spirit's help. And today, we're learning about growing up. What does it mean to grow up in our faith? We are spiritual infants, Paul says. And when you're an infant, all you know what to do is to gratify your own flesh. So therefore, we're at risk of falling into legalism. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, the six chapters, often called the Magna Carta of the New Testament, goes into great lengths to make sure that we understand how we are Christians. And it's not because of the life that we live, but because the life of God lives in us, that we were dead in our sins, but he made us alive in Christ. And you are a Christian, not because he made a bad person good, but because he made a dead person alive. The moment you become a Christian, you're the most alive you will ever be. 
A baby is just as alive as a 40-year-old man. In Christ, you are now seated in heavenly places, but you're immature. I'm immature. Paul says something very similar to Romans. He says, don't be conformed by the world. Um, Even though that you're born again, that your spirit has been renewed, you are now a new creation. Your mind, your flesh, your desires, your will, they are in their old patterns and ruts, and they need to change. They need to grow up. Your spirit is say, but your mind has some catching up to do. And here's Paul's point in this scripture. Though we have the life of God in us, though we have the life of the Trinity in us, we are spiritually immature until we do the hard work of creating unity in the church, through the church. In fact, here's a summary statement that Paul says that um, that's a bit, well, it's a lot to think about. Unless you are deeply connected and a contributing member of a local church, you will stay a spiritual baby. Unless you, here's Paul's point, unless you are a deeply connected and contributing member of a local church, you will stay a spiritual baby. I don't care how many sermons you look to. I don't know how many Bible studies you do. I don't care. You will stay a spiritual baby if you're not connected and a contributing member of a local church. And if you're a spiritual baby, if you stay that way, you are at risk of falling into doctrinal error and unwittingly serving Satan's agenda and not God's. What makes you a Christian is that you have the life of the triune God inside of you. The gospel isn't that God makes people nice. The gospel is that God makes people new. But being new, you are a spiritual baby. And that's a good thing. Uh, it's an expected thing. It's a celebrated thing. It's just not good to stay that way. So Paul says you need to grow up. And the way that you grow up is that, Paul says, is that you both receive ministry from others and you give it. You receive it and you give it in the context of community. So he says in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11, he says, and he gave apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the shepherds, the evangelists. I did it in the wrong order, I know, but... I got them all there. These pastor types, this, they do what? They equip, that is a train, that's a whole sermon in itself, the saints. Who are the saints? You. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. You are a set apart one. You are a holy one. You've been set apart for a purpose. You've been made on purpose for a purpose. So you are a saint. And so it says the saints are the ones doing the work of ministry. So saints, that is members in a local church, do ministry. What do they do ministry for? For the building up, for the maturing of the body of Christ. So pastor types equip, they help, they train, they cast vision, all that kind of stuff. Saints, they do the work of ministry, and all this ministry is for this reason, that you and I would grow up. And and if you're not in that plan, like if you're not receiving that and you're not giving it, you're going to stay a spiritual infant. And Paul, Paul puts himself in this. That's the astounding thing. He doesn't say, you are going to be an infant, and you are going to do this, and you're going to do this. He says, this is we. In other words, I need this, Paul says. Paul says, I'm, I'm not as mature as I should be. He says in Philippians 3, he's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not attained anything. I'm not looking at my past. I'm looking at my future. I'm not holding on to the things I've accomplished. I'm letting that go, and I'm, I'm going after Christ. 
So Paul says, hey, I, there's, there's stuff I need to grow in. I think you and I probably have at least one or two things that we could, you know, maybe get marginally better at. Otherwise, we'll stay spiritual infants. Unless you're deeply connected, engaged in the church, in community, using your spiritual gifts, you'll stay an infant. And some of us are not engaging because we've been hurt. You've rolled into this church with some wounds, which is why the second half of Ephesians 4 is all about forgiveness and getting past your hurts, not letting the sun go down on your anger, on your hurt. Otherwise, it'll turn into bitterness. And bitterness keeps you in your past. It allows your past to control your life. And you can't move forward because you are being controlled by your past. And you think bitterness is somehow going to make it better. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's like, what do I do? You can't. Go, you got you to gotta move forward in this. And we want to help you walk that out and what that looks like. And I know there's hurts and I know there's pain and it's going to happen. But the, but the call for maturity is to move forward. Maturity is something that we all need. Paul said, or excuse me, Peter said in his letter, chapter one, he talks about being born again. And then chapter two, he says, okay, congratulations, you're an infant, but like newborn infants long, the NIV says, crave for spiritual milk so that you can grow up. And that's what we need. We need appetites. And maybe that is for you this morning. Like, you're like, man, I don't even, I don't know that I want that, Brian. I see what you're saying, but I think I'm okay the way I am. One of the things that you learn as a new parent is the doctors get very, very concerned by a baby's lack of appetite. Because a lack of appetite means they won't eat. And if they won't eat, they won't grow. And if they don't grow, there's brain development and body development that's at real risk. And I just want to say lovingly, your lack of appetite is frightening. Maybe today God said, God, will you renew in me a desire for growth? Will you renew in me a desire for you? My appetite is grown cold. My appetite is for not healthy, good, spiritual milk. We need an appetite. So what are the marks of spiritual infancy or immaturity? Paul says, well, you're blown away by false teaching. You're not discerning. You know, just like a baby, you put, you put food that looks in front, that looks the same in front of a baby, good food, bad food, poison. Baby's like, give me all of it. Not discerning. Are you discerning? Just like, well, is there, you know, there's a difference between good teaching and bad teaching. What's good about it? What's not good about it? Well, how do you do that? Well, you got to grow up. You can't, uh, you got to grow up in your faith. So you're blown away by false teaching. Says so teaching, you know, you're over here and you're over there. Your t- attention span is not very good. You're spiritually distracted, not focused in. Sec- uh, thirdly, physical babies are incredibly self-centered. You, um, that's why Paul starts off in Ephesians uh, 4, in the second verse of Ephesians 4, he says, hey, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He's concerned about spiritual maturity, so he starts off by encouraging them to think about other people. That's how he starts off this letter. Live a life worthy of the gospel, worthy of what Christ has done for you. Think about other people. 
I'm very concerned about your maturity because you're not thinking about other people. Real babies are incredibly self-centered. They want what they want when they want it, and they cannot see past their own needs. Are you focused in on what you want, what you need, what you like, what you, what's interesting to you? Spiritual babies are always getting their feelings hurt, always feeling overlooked, always being conscious about how you're being treated. Paul wants to encourage you to walk away from infancy into maturity. And there's a couple truths I kind of want us to hold in tension, if we will. In light of the fact that we are all at some level spiritually immature, I want us to hold two truths in, in, uh, two truths in tension. Number one, let's not be shocked by other, when we see other believers acting immaturely. Well, he hit me. Yeah, he's a baby. He doesn't know what he's doing. Just, he needs grace and you do too. That's what you tell your kids, right? What's that Charlie bit me one? That just came to mind. Man, that was good. Remember that? No? Okay. Um, so don't be exhausted by people who aren't as mature as you. By the way, that might be a sign of maturity. Number two, but don't settle into your own immaturity. Number one, don't be shocked when you see it. It's a reality. But don't acquiesce to your own immaturity. Don't be like, that's just the way I am. This is who I am. Don't, don't, don't acquiesce to that. Uh, move forward. Ask yourself the question. I think every year, am I growing? Last week, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. Are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit? Are you growing in love and peace and gentleness? Are you, are you growing in these things? And here's the money question. Ask someone who really knows you, is that true? Are you growing in these things? Is it someone that you know, that loves you, and you trust? Will they, will they affirm that? So to mature, you need to be receiving and giving ministry. And this happens through the equipping or training of pastor types with all humility and unity. And notice that this happens in the context of close family-like relationships. The hub of ministry in the church isn't in rows. It's not online hearing sermons. It's not courses. It's not programs. The hub of ministry in a church that causes you to mature is relationships. There is no end around from life on life impartation. And there's some really important reasons for that. There, there is no maturity with you working on yourself individually and independently of other people. It doesn't happen. It happens through deep involvement in church community. You may be growing in knowledge. You may be growing in understanding, but you are not growing in maturity. It happens through relationships. There's a few reasons Paul mentions. He says it very strongly. He defines maturity in verse 13, until we all reach what? The unity of the faith. Part of you becoming mature is you becoming unified with another body of believers. In other words, if you're not becoming unified with another body of believers, it means that you're not growing in maturity. But then he says that even a a second thing he does, he says, until we become the one mature man, that's what the Greek language says, the one mature, until we become the one mature man, not until we become the one mature men and women. Like mature, like we're all getting mature on our own. He says, until we, be, until we become the one mature, like we become like him. 
Now, it's interesting he uses the plural for being a spiritual infant, infants. So you can be immature all on your own, but you cannot be mature without other people because the whole point is to become like him. And the third thing is the fact that he says that you have the life of God in you, the life of the triune God. Verse four, he says, we have one spirit. We have one Lord, verse five, Jesus. And we have, in verse six, we have one God, the Father. Spirit, Son, Father. One what, three who's. God is himself a community. God is himself relational, equal, unified, together, on the same page, yet distinct and different. How can you become more like God on your own? You can't. Because God is himself community and relational. He's not going to make you more like himself by not being like him. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Of course it doesn't. The more you become one, the more you become like So you can't just drop in the truth. You can't just be content to get Christian information. That's not becoming mature. That's doing your thing. And your thing, newsflash, is not God's thing. So the way that you become like him is you get on his program, his path, his plan. And his deal is he wants to bring you together. We mention this verse all the time in membership class, 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, who's him? Jesus. As you come to Jesus, the living stone, he is building you tighter and tighter into a spiritual house. And unless you're being built tighter and tighter into a spiritual house, it means that you're not coming to Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, this is what he does. He builds you together in a local body of believers called the church so that you can both receive this ministry and give this ministry. This is his plan. And this idea that we are to be a tight-knit community gets even more clear in verse 15 when he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is to head into Christ. So the one of the ways that we grow up is that we speak truth in love, that we have, we build communities that are saturated in honesty, transparency, and saturated in love and tenderness. And without it, we'll spiritually die. Without love, tenderness, compassion, family-like relationships, and together, truth, honesty, clarity, transparency, without these two things together, we will not, we will stay spiritual babies. Love without truth is deadly. We can't know ourselves outside of, uh, uh, we can't know ourselves without outside input. The most socially detached people lack self-awareness. You cannot have self-awareness in isolation. You need other people to communicate to you what you're like. I remember the first time I heard my recorded voice online, I'm like, oh my gosh, Rach, my voice sounds like scratchy and kind of high-pitched and what's wrong with the, our equipment? And she's like, well, you always sound that way. And um, I'm like, oh, until you hear yourself and have that fed back, you can't really understand who you are. We need others for truth, but truth without love, it's not going to get through. It won't land onto their hearts. So we need to be plunged into a community saturated with both truth and love. And here's the other thing about that. Not, nobody... No one can really embody this because of sin. Nobody can fully embody uh, on their own 
truth and love because some of us are temperamentally love, uh, loving and gentle and some of us are temperamentally direct and clear. So if you're, if you're temperamentally uh, loving and gentle, why are we afraid to tell the truth? Why are we afraid that someone will get mad at us um, or they'll be crushed because they'll feel guilty? Because you'll feel guilty. So you won't tell them the truth because you'll be, you're afraid they're going to be mad at you or you won't tell them the truth because it's going to crush them and you'll feel guilty. Well, your, our motives in that moment are selfish. We're not really interested in that person. We're interested in how it'll make us feel. Or some of us can be direct without loving. So we'll tell the truth, not out of love, but to be right. To communicate to everyone that we're right or to put someone down to make us look good. But either way, our, on our own, our selfishness will take over. We'll either back away from the truth or we'll back away from love. But together, Paul says to the Corinthians that we have the mind of Christ. On your own, you don't, but together we do. To get, some of us need to borrow gentleness and love from the community. And some of us need to borrow um, clarity and directness from the community. But together we'll do, we'll be mature. And we'll become like the mature man, Jesus, who was the embodiment, 100% grace and 100% truth. I mean, think about the gospel. Is there anything more offensively true than the gospel, than the cross? The fact that the Son of God, the creator of the universe, had to be brutally, you are such a bad person, and you, you're, you're so evil that the Son of God had to be brutally murdered on a cross. That's what's true about you. That's what the cross speaks about you. Did you know that? It speaks about me too, by the way. It speaks about us. It says that we are so bad that, we had to be, that Jesus had to be brutally murdered. That's how bad we are. But... He is so loving that he was glad to do it. He is the embodiment of truth, who you really are, and he is the embodiment of love. There's no one more loving. There's no one more truthful. And that's one of the reasons when we say that we want to build our community, we want to be gospel-centered. We want the, the cross of who Jesus is to be centered around our commu- that community where there's invite, where we're saturated in the truth of Christ and we're saturated with the love of Christ, willing to do both. It's how the word of Christ dwells in us richly. How do we get the word of Christ to dwell in us richly? Colossians 3 says, through teaching and admonishing, check this out, one another. You don't get the truth in you by listening to hours and hours of podcasts and YouTube videos and on Bible studies. and all. That's fine. It's good. You get it through teaching and admonishing one another teaching them, teaching people truth, helping people understand the truth, and admonishing, warning them when they don't follow it. And we, you need to receive that, and you need to give it. Paul says it this way to the Romans, let love be genuine. NIV says, let love be without hypocrisy. We learned first, in the first week of the series, that, that word hypocrisy is a theatrical term, which means uh, to wear the mask. In order for love to be genuine, like real, authentic love, we can't come in here and just pretend everything's okay when it's not. We can't be this way with this group of people and this way with church people and this way on our own. We have to be the whole person the whole time. We can't let love be without hypocrisy. So we need to hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, and love one another with brotherly affection, which is to create a sense 
of family, to create a sense of truth and to create a sense of family. Safe places, love, honest places, truth. That's what we want this community to be. Saturated in honesty in the truth, saturated in love. Therefore, it's safe. You are the solution for someone else. And someone else is the solution for you. God has called us to live interdependently in relationship with one another, that you have what it takes. God has given you something. God has given each one of us a gift to use for the building up of his church. You have been given something. We want to help you discover that. That's what they're learning in Growth Track right now. And if you've not been in there, I hope that you um, get in Growth Track so we can help you discover what God has called you to do. But the point of these gifts is that you would use them. Paul says in Romans 12 that we all have different gifts, but the big thing is that we would use them, not that we would hold on to them. And that's how, the, that's how you grow, by receiving that and giving it. You grow, spiritually, you grow spiritually by loving people so much that you're willing to tell them the truth and you're willing to be with them when they, when they don't live up to the truth. You extend grace and you receive grace and that you use your gifts and you receive the gifts from other people. This is how we grow up in love. And this is something that the world absolutely needs. We need it. We need to do this for each other. And the world needs. The world is more and more growing in its purposelessness. But God has given the church uh, its purpose. You, if you, when you engage in the church, you find, I mean, you just, your life just gets flooded with meaning. But also, the loneliness and the connection. Our world is growing more and more isolated and becoming more and more depressed. A little, a little homework for you. Google Signal Report on loneliness. There's just massive health damage to being on your own. And we're sacrificing, um, we're, we're sacrificing friendship and the, the tightness of our community for economic success, for individual achievements. And it's literally killing us. Um, loneliness is worse for your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. This is what this report says. It's worse for your health than being obese. In other words, it's better to eat a donut with a friend than exercise alone, is what that... <laughs> that's what I... I don't know if you, what you saw when you read that, but that's what I saw. Um, maybe it's better to work out with friends. Maybe that's the best thing to do. But we need each other in a profound way. We think that we're okay on our own, but I just want you to know that, that is immaturity. The idea that, hey, I'm my own man, I'm on, I'm on my own person, that is an immature way of thinking. A mature way of thinking is I need people, and there are people who need me, and that's why I exist. I exist for those reasons, and I want to grow up in that. And, uh, and then we love each other through it. We hurt each other. We need to forgive each other. We need to put up with each other. We need to bear with each other, but we, we're living for the unity of the faith. We want to come under uh, the lordship of Jesus and follow his ways so that we cannot be immature, that we would not fall prey to every wind of doctrine, but that we grow up in every way that is Jesus. Would you stand with me?
so much easier um, to go it alone. Our flesh operating system, to borrow from last week, our flesh wants to do things on our own. Doesn't want to have to um, depend on other people and have other people depend on us. But that is an immature way of thinking. So we want to, Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child. But I want, but I want to grow up, and I, I want to grow up. I know you do too. So we have to commit to this. We have to commit to these relationships. Relationships are the hub of ministry in the church. It's how the love of God goes from his throne to your heart. It's through, it's through someone else. And it's uh, why groups are a big deal to us. It's why getting together in community is a big deal to us. And you can go to a group and just kind of not really check in, not really engage. It's not just going to group, but it's engaging with other people, allowing them to see your weaknesses and, uh, allow, and experiencing grace from someone else when they do see your weaknesses. I mean, that's what our heart really wants. Our heart really wants to be known, not just at a surface level, but at a deep, deep level and to be loved. And it's through that, it's, and, but when you add the truth to that element, we grow and we change and we become mature. And so, so maybe today it's just like, God, I need, to, I need help trusting again. I've been hurt. I've been let down. I've been disappointed. And God would want to meet you. Say, hey, I want to give you the grace. In my gospel, Jesus would say, in the cross is the power to forgive. It is the power to love when you don't want to. Um, it's the power. So the, the cross is that when, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So while people are mistreating us, there's power in the gospel that you can love and forgive them. It really is true. Or maybe it's appetite. You just kind of gotten used to a, a bad diet, a scary diet, a non-healthy diet. And you just don't have the appetite. You're like, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just not interested. Like, I just say, hey, pray to God. Say, God, will you, will you help my appetite? Will you, will you return to me the joy of my salvation? I'm just, you know, I know facts about God, and I'm kind of bored of those facts. And being a Christian is just going through the motions. Don't stay there. That is anti-God. That is anti, that's not Christianity. He doesn't want you. He cares, about, he cares about how you do things, and he cares about why you do things, not just what you do. The motive matters. Let's come to Jesus. Jesus, we just thank you for warning us against the dangers of self-righteousness, of building for ourselves our own version of what it means to follow you. That's not what you've come to. We were dead in our sins, lifeless. God, may you return to our hearts and minds the power and wonder of the gospel, that we would surrender to you wholeheartedly, that we'd surrender to your ways. Lord, that you would build us up into this mature man, which is you, that you would grow us up in every way into Christ. Lord, thank you that you've given us a part to play. God, I pray that you would help us to understand our part of both receiving and giving this ministry, this love that you want to show 
to each and every one of us and through us, the world. We thank you for this privilege. I pray you meet hearts today. God, I pray you, God, I don't want to be the same. I don't want to stay. I don't want to hold on to, Lord, Lord, what I've, the, the growth that I have, but I want to keep growing. I want to move forward in you. Lord, we all want that. I pray you stir our affections towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.